Hello, and welcome to the Sprocket Podcast, where we are simplifying the good life. I'm Joan Pettit. And I'm Armando Luna. We're broadcasting from Portland, Oregon, nestled in the heart of Cascadia. I'm Guthrie Straw. This is the show where we bring you somewhat irreverent conversations about the intricacies of thinking locally with a global perspective and enjoying the best that life has to offer along the way. We cover bicycling, trains, and transit, infrastructure, adventures, and today, the kind of bike riding where you don't go anywhere. Indoor cycling on exercise bikes and trainers. We will attempt to answer this question. When we say all bikes are good bikes, do we mean exercise bikes too? Such a such a controversial topic within our world, which some of the input we got from our, our listeners and friends will, will make clear. How are you all doing today? I'm well. I'm fed and watered, which is more than I can say some days. And I'm excited to talk about something that I have not done since <laughs> probably five or six years old. That That's the extent of my stationary bike experience. So I will do my best on this one, but I'll rely on those more knowledgeable than myself to fill in some details. This topic was inspired by the fact that in my basement, I have a box with an unassembled bike, <laughs> indoor bike. So I haven't assembled it yet, but since I got it, I have actually been riding my other bike a little more. So we'll get, we'll get more into that a little bit later. Armando, how's it going? Uh, it's going okay. Any, anything exciting for you all in your, that you want to share? adventures, bike riding, not bike riding. I'll volunteer. I went surfing kind of by train this weekend. So it was basically I took an Amtrak to Corvallis and then got a ride to the coast with a friend. But I did take public transit and it's the first time that I had been on Amtrak since COVID started. So quite a ways now. Must say it was really fun. I really liked the train. It was very pleasant. We did sit for about 20 minutes waiting for some freight to go by, but as I have come to experience, that's pretty par for the course with Amtrak, no matter what's going on. And on the way back, I took the bus. So it's like a bit of train, a bit of bus, and Amtrak is, I don't know if it's all their buses, but this was the shiniest freshest bus I have ever ridden on. It was a treat. You booked it through Amtrak? Like it was that thing where they gave you, you book it through Amtrak, but they give you a bus option? Yeah. Yeah. You can, you have kind of like the train mixed in with their bus options because they do both um, through Union Station. I, I don't know how widespread this is, but I've come to prefer them over Greyhound because um, I, I just like taking trains places when and where I can. Yeah. It's, it was super neat. The bus itself was a training bus for one of their drivers. And so everybody else was very uninterested, but the driver was telling the study, you know, like, here are the three exits we consider for Salem. If it's, you know, this is happening, take Commercial Street. If this is happening, take the other street. And I was just like, well, it had kind of nothing else to do, but it was just very fascinating to hear the Amtrak mindset mentality, kind of what they worry about. And then also to... Just watch a professional bus driver engage with the insanity that is traffic out on the freeway these days. I was super impressed, and I don't know if they have to take like blood pressure medication or what, but they were just very <laughs> cool about some of the things that were happening to their bus, and I only, I only heard them expel once when somebody just really failed to signal. They were like, signal, 
Uh, but that was it. Everything else was was awesome. And I got to learn about, yeah, how to take a bus into Salem and Albany and Tualatin and Portland and how to do it without crashing. So are you considering a career shift now? <laughs> well, no, I don't think I am. But I don't know. It's just like slice of life kind of things. Like you never expect to take some public transit and come out the other end more knowledgeable. And people might argue that's pretty useless knowledge. But I like collecting these little tidbits because you never know when they might come in handy. When you said circuit and trains, I, I imagined you on a freight train, like standing on top of a freight train. Me too. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, I should I'm have like, been wow, more explicit. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I was like, didn't we see some scary Instagram video of like Guthrie surfing on top of a train? Yeah. It's, it's possible. Uh, the train surfing genre is one of my favorite genres in YouTube. Check out a guy <laughs> named Shai, who is European YouTube personality. And every single time he posts a video, I find myself wondering if that is the last video he will be posting. But it's been going strong so far. So S-H-I-E-Y, if you're ever looking for some top quality train surfing. I'll make sure. Well, we'll make sure to link to that in the show notes. I I'm myself am very curious now. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I like your YouTube personalities that just kind of like explore around. So especially during COVID, it's been really nice to live a bit vicariously through that individual. Uh, and they, they do a lot of stuff. But yeah, no, no train surfing for me. I know a person who knows a person who has passed away in that attempt. And it's just pretty dangerous. So I, I can't say that I'm a big proponent of it in 2022, maybe 1942, different story. But I think it's gotten a lot more real since then, according to the people I've talked to. How about yourself, Joan? What did you get up to this weekend? Well, I engaged in an activity that was new to me that some some folks may be familiar with. It may be uh, unfamiliar to others. It's called magnet fishing. I don't have the equipment, but my friend had some new equipment he wanted to break in. And uh, this is basically where you get a very like heavy duty magnet that has pretty powerful magnetization, I guess. And, and it's attached to a long rope and you are uh, you're putting it in in the river, in a river or our other body of water, trying to see what you can fish out that's magnetic. We decided to go to the Sandy River. So we were in a little bit outside of town. We were upstream of a lot of population areas. So we actually didn't get much of anything except some magnetic dirt, which is maybe a good indication of the lack of trash in the Sandy. But I've heard that folks doing this like in the Willamette River in Portland are pulling up uh, scooter <laughs> scooters, not surprisingly sometimes bikes sometimes people a lot of it gets in the news sometimes people pull up guns which is not something I would be excited about and just other little things and so I guess you're sort of cleaning the river but it's also just sort of treasure hunting sort of cleaning things up this weekend I drove but this could be a fine activity to do by bike if you live near a body of water so you could get on your bike you need a couple buckets some gloves that could get a little mucky anyway so magnet fishing if you have magnet fished listeners please uh please tell us of the treasures that you found maybe uh especially if you found an entire bike that would be that would be an interesting tie-in how about you, Armando? What have you been getting up to? 
I don't know. I, I totally got magnet fishing now in my head. I'm, I'm wondering. I have like think- hundred questions. <laughs> well, I'm thinking of getting a like starter kit myself. Maybe we can go and totally. Yeah, maybe the Sprocket Podcast should should pivot to being a magnet fishing podcast. <laughs> and train surfing. Yeah, train surfing, train surfing, and magnet fishing. What bikes are so last year. It's true. <laughs> Next thing you know, we'll be a planner Hobonichi book personal planner channel. Like yep. Lillian? Yep. Yeah. I don't know. I think we've got a lot of work to do to catch up to her. So someone get on that. I, I'm on it. I, I'm not on it. Well, should we talk about our uh, what we have all come together this evening to discuss? Yes. Indoor cycling. Bikes that don't go anywhere indoors for exercise sometimes folks who bike a lot for transportation or exercise have a bit of disdain or negativity towards spinning or other kinds of indoor bicycling but we know also know that it got a lot more popular during the pandemic and i was really surprised by what we heard from folks there was actually a lot of our social media uh, associates and listeners who who are using some sort of indoor cycling setup. And to be clear, there's a handful of ways that you can ride a bike and not go anywhere. With with Brock and Tim Mooney, we had a long conversation about things like um, milkshake bikes, but you know, bikes where you like make mix together a milkshake. That's not the kind we're talking about, but um, you know, there's like stationary bikes, right? And some of those are less expensive and they get very expensive. There's a, a famous brand, of course, that took off during the pandemic and now seems to be crashing from some lack of demand, like from spin classes. Um, And then there's also what uh, I think of as like trainers that you use with your own bike. Um, And I saw something in, in bicycling magazine that explained basically there's direct drive trainers, rollers and friction trainers all in a range of prices. Direct drive trainers replace the rear wheel rollers. You basically use your bike on the rollers and it requires some balance, a lot of balance. And then there are friction trainers um, that clamp onto the rear dropouts and place a roller against the rear tire. So those are sort of the different kinds of options. And I used to think of this as something that people who were like road racers used in the off season, but um, there's a lot of folks who are using these for a variety of reasons. So we wanted to talk about this and, and share some of what we heard from from folks. Armando, you have a trainer of some kind, right? Uh, yeah, I had one. I actually got one right when uh, the first lockdown or quarantine came in 2020. And I got my bike set up on it and I rode it a little bit. But I just didn't feel right though. And I, you know, it could have been not set up right. And I also didn't have, I don't know what you call it. There's a, there's a part that you're supposed to use for your front wheel. So that when you put your bike, I had a friction roller. Um, so when you're, when you do that, your rear wheel goes up a few inches. And so there's another piece of, I can't remember what it's called that you put your front wheel on. So your bike is level and I never had that. And so maybe that, I mean, it just felt different. So I didn't do it very much. And then I ended up trading it for a saddle and then I just recently got another one. Um, but I haven't set it up yet because I just enjoy riding outside more, even, even if it's raining. Yeah. And that is definitely what we, um, what we heard from folks that weather seems to have a pretty big impact We heard from somebody named Chloe Pasquale, who says, I simply do not have room for a trainer exercise bike, and it doesn't snow here. I don't know where 
this person was writing from, but, um, and so I just don't have one. I tried exercise bikes at the gym and I hate them. I miss the wind in the hills, but I might like it better if it was my own bike with position dialed in. Um, we also heard from uh, Mr. T who said, what's a stationary bike? <laughs> Which, you know, maybe suggesting that uh, it's not a bike if it doesn't move to some people. And then um, Dave Belay commented, isn't driving to spin class one of the seven deadly sins? And of course, that's the thing that I've, that's the big like snarky comment I hear from bike people all the time. Driving to ride a bike seems not quite right to some people. Mountain biking, I don't know how many people don't drive to mountain bike. I feel like there's a wide enough category of driving to things. Unless you leave your from your door and you come back to your door from the same ride, there's a pretty wide category of people that drive to bike to drive. Guthrie, that is such a good point that we can snark all we want at people for <laughs> for driving to spin class. But uh, if you've ever driven to go mountain biking or driven for a road ride, you are engaging in the same sort of activity, <laughs> right? Like, why is it different to drive to ride your bike outside versus to drive to ride inside? I'm imagining myself with a stationary bicycle. I feel like I'd need to get a fan set up as well and maybe find some like uneven blocks and then carve them into ovals. You know, it's like that side to side, the, the up and the down. I'm sure somebody's like, just get a VR machine or whatever they call them these days. But there, there is certainly the, the physical component. The person I know who's ridden the most on a stationary bike is someone who trains for the Ironman. And so they're just needing to put a lot of time and I, they live in a rainy place. So if it's raining they're on the stationary bike but otherwise they're outside when they are able to so another person doesn't have one uh Aranesha says i feel stubborn not having an indoor trainer since i'm kind of nuts about riding and staying active but i still don't have one it would feel like giving in to me somehow we are lucky to live in an area where it's almost always okay to ride outside without much more than rain gear and fenders but dang it gets dark and wet and cold and unmotivating in the winter especially when i've been without my regular commute so I think there's sort of this uh, attitude that some of us have have taken on that is maybe uh, getting in the way of people getting something th of thinking of a bike for fitness rather than for, you know, just being outside, fitness outside. Yeah, I think tra the, tra the whole training aspect of it, if you're training for something and you really need to spend time riding or, or in the saddle or you're, you know, you're trying to achieve a certain goal, I think that's a huge deal when it comes to um to the indoor bike where you can just hop on it, you know, it's very simple just to hop on it. And then people, you know, people that have their setups where they're actually maybe working from the bike or, or, you know, they have their laptop or whatever set up while they're riding. I couldn't do that. I can't, I don't have that attention span to do both things at the same time. <laughs> You know, that reminds me, I've not seen one of these in person, a uh, person that I work with when uh, you're in meetings with her, she's sort of moving a little. And I found out that she's got like this little like foot peddler thing under oh, yeah, her my desk, yeah, yeah, yeah under her that. desk. And so she's just sort of like, I mean, she's not moving along anywhere, but she's moving her legs during meetings on the little, little under desk spinners. I always just have a restless leg. So I'm usually like, my legs are always moving or it drives some people nuts, but is a nice way to burn calories by accident. I should I should just tell people I have a foot spinner and then I won't have to talk about restless leg syndrome. It'd be great. Yeah. I'm not twitchy. I uh, got a little 
invisible spinner under my desk. Exactly. Somebody sent me just to me individually via DM. So I won't say this person's name. This I think is a a great example of, of what some of us are hearing and saying. Personally, I think they're kind of dumb. I think indoor sporting and exercise of all kind just plays into the bougie plot by the elites to keep the proles enslaved by earning just enough wages to get by, but not to do any to not but not do anything more than survive like blade runner type future scenarios where everything is virtual social life exercise have everything delivered like food groceries and stuff see the elite ruling class needs for us to be good subjects by plugging in and staying in i'm a fair weather rider i cannot ride outside in the cold anymore it is too draining on me with my thyroid disease but i refuse to ride indoors living in a tiny space sort of seals the no deal i mean this is a perfect example of somebody being like i can't ride when it's cold but i refuse to ride indoors also i don't have the space to do it or maybe my finances don't make it work for me uh but also I am judging everyone who's doing this indoors. So no wonder, no wonder people want to stay in the closet about their indoor writing I'm glad activities. I have the blur on my Zoom so you can't see my 16 stationary bicycles in the background. <laughs> doing good. Are you, are you leading a spin class right now, Guthrie? <laughs> I am leading a spin class right now and uh, I, it's going great. The first time I ever heard about uh, like spin classes versus just exercise bikes, you know, or whatever, just like kind of old fashioned stationary bikes. Like, do you remember from when we were little, there was the kind where the front wheel was like a fan, like there was actually like a wheel and it's like a metal cage. Anyway, um, was somebody basically telling me that she couldn't get enough resistance if she went riding her bike outdoors, right? Like, so for her, she wanted just like a really hardcore workout. So it wasn't about riding a bike at all. It was about that movement as a way to get a workout. Moving on to slightly more optimistic components of feedback that we received thanks to your interaction. Chris Barron, Christopher Barron says, I don't enjoy riding in the dark and cold in winter. So I use those months to do more structured training indoors on Zwift. The nicer months are for getting outdoors and just enjoying the ride. Zwift? Yeah, th- that's interesting that with the Zwift thing because, uh, I mean, there's a whole, that's like a whole culture thing, I think. People ride together and they ride in groups. And, and a lot of, I think, people that I know as road riders enjoy riding Zwift on Zwift in groups, right? And they'll have uh, group rides together. And I think about that and it's, I think I, I'm always having trouble keeping up anyway on a group ride. <laughs> and, but like I, people have conversations on these long rides. And like, if you're on the, if you're doing Zwift, it's very simple to have a conversation because it's not quite as noisy as out being outside on the road, I think. But it just seems like it it's, makes it just so much more social, which I think would make it better. I haven't done Zwift though. I've heard a couple of positive comments on Zwift or, or Zwifting as they call it. Folks I know who have done it have generally seemed to like it. it it's similar though. It requires a bit of startup cost. So it's it's certainly uh, out of reach for some. And it makes me wonder, I just find myself out of touch with a lot of the trends. Like somebody was talking about Wordle the other day and I feel like I should probably know what Wordle is. Zwifting is similar. It's like I know that it's a thing that people do. 
but I don't know that much about it. Yeah, I mean, I feel like uh, you were saying some of the same things when we were talking to Jenna about TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are real advantages to not being on social media all that much, Guthrie. And I think that sometimes I think you've made some excellent choices in life. <laughs> and other times I just feel totally out of the loop. <laughs> <laughs> I'll explain wor- Wordle to you later. Oh, it's actually quite delightful. I'm, I'm so actually... happy that I have friends I can translate from. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, we've got a comment from Tim at Pedal Shift who says, I'm on Team Trainer. I have a Green Goblin trademark hooked up to one, and I may be a little less embarrassingly out of shape for my Florida tour in a couple of weeks as a result. But as soon as the weather gets nicer, I'm all outside all the time. We also have a comment from CLPDX, CLLPDX. Weirdly, I get terrible scatia when I ride a stationary bike. Clearly, I do something different with my balance slash body on the road. Anyway, I really dislike them for that reason. But even in Hawaii, I used a trainer to ride while I had to be at kid slash baseball practice. I'm choosing moving, riding any day over not moving. But they do have a time and place. Straw, straw poll, if we all had trainers, what percentage of the time, like take a year average, what percentage of the time do you feel like you would use a trainer? Of a percentage of my life? Uh, of your time spent riding. Like if you're 90% outdoors, 10% in. I, I feel like I would use it when friends were over because I'd be like, look, a trainer. But I haven't had a lot of friends <laughs> over. So I, I would be in the close to like 3 or 4% well, category personally. So one of the things about a trainer versus uh, an exercise bike is a trainer is your bike, right? So that's great if you're going to be the only one riding it right because you can have the same setup you know you can use the same pedals same positioning for your seat and all that but if if other people are going to be sharing it so this is part of the reason I decided to get an exercise bike rather than a trainer uh, because one of the things I want to be able to do is use it like because I do have some weights in my basement and I kind of want to be able to use it like for warm-up as a warm up before lifting weights, right? So I mean, yes, I could just um so I'm probably I probably would not be getting on my bike to go for a bike ride around the neighborhood as a warm up before lifting weights, right? Um but also my kids can use it, right? It's it's not like it's me putting my bike on a trainer. It's just like a it doesn't have as precise of a fit as that. You know, we don't we we we're not the same size for riding for riding bikes. You know, a trainer is something that is it's your bike already that you ride outside just inside versus an exercise bike which is maybe a little more changeable between different people in a household so what percent so I don't even know that I would think of it as percentage of time that I'm riding but that's because most of my bike riding right now is on my mixed D for errands or commuting or chores I'm not doing a lot of longer road rides anymore. And I got out of that early in the pandemic and just haven't, when I was sort of scared about the idea of having a mechanical and being far outside of town and I don't know, would somebody come and pick me up and things like that? Or would I have to go in a store? Uh, But now I think I've just sort of gotten out of the habit of it. But again, I I also haven't built the bike yet. So I can't, I can't answer this question yet. How about yourself, Armando? I'm thinking for myself, if I were to have a trainer, it would actually be for training. So I would have to be in part of a training program where I needed to do X amount of hours or and or miles per week or per day or whatever, right? I know there's a 
there's a whole thing that goes along with it. And then the power meters and all that stuff. I'm not someone that's good at trading writing. <laughs> so if I was actually in a program, I, I guess I could probably give you a percentage, you know, I, I'm probably doing this inside because maybe my trainer wants me to do, you know, I want you to ride 60 minutes and 40 those minutes. I want you to ride at this level and 20 those minutes. I want you to ride at this level, you know, things like that, where you can actually see that output and, and get all that information. And I think that's a difference for me. I, I mean, if you just, you have to know what you're doing, I guess, if you if you have a trainer rather than just pedal. Maybe I don't know. Again, I, I I'm not really using it. But what really it's sort of really interesting um, with Zwift, and I think you can get Zwift to simulate rides in you know different locations. So like if you wanted to ride ride the rim at Crater Lake, right? I, it's probably a ride built in that simulates the climbs and the distance of that ride that you could do at home. I think that would be pretty cool. I don't know if it would be thousands of dollars cool, but it would be pretty cool. Well, um, so the price is an interesting thing. You know, that big fancy bike made by the company that's now totally crashing is I think like $2,000 or so. But there are indoor like exercise or spin bikes that you can hook up to there. You can use with their app, you know, and those bikes are 800s and down. So there are different things you can get that are more like spin. Um, and then there's some really expensive or inexpensive stationary bikes you can get as well. But Armando, it's interesting that you said that about training because you are training right now. Like you're riding outside a lot. Like you're riding outside when it's really cold and wet. And I don't know, maybe you don't ride if it's below freezing. I don't know if that's a cutoff for you like it is for me, but you ride in a lot of conditions. Uh, but I'm just riding. I'm not, I'm not trying to ride at a certain pace for a certain amount of mm. time. I'm not trying to climb this hill at this rate, you know, for this speed. I mean, I mean, get really specific things like that, where, I mean, there are training programs that where they have you do that kind of stuff. Right. And uh, I think if I were doing that on a, a training bike or. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and we did get one comment from low belly who said, if a workout is the goal, a stationary bike is much more efficient because you don't have to get through a city through a bunch of city stuff or drive to get to a place where you can get your heart rate up and maintain it. So if you have a specific kind of workout that you want to do, or if you're training for maybe a specific ride and you can actually have that ride programmed into some app that that could be a good way to do that. I was taking a quick look on eBay just to get a realistic feel for prices. And it looks like the little under desk pedal bikes we talked about earlier start at about 50 bucks. And Mm -hmm. for the full fledged bicycle, uh, best I could find that didn't look like it would fall apart tomorrow was about $200. Speaking more of thresholds, although I'd imagine your mileage may vary, but... <laughs> boom boom Yep. <laughs> hey. Well, I would have rode 100, except it broke on mile three. Um, yeah, don't need to go out and blow whatever they charge for that brand that is taking a nosedive the last couple of weeks. Uh, go dig a hole. I bought a cheap stationary bike when I broke my hand last year so I could stay active while healing. And I was surprised by how much I liked it. When the weather is bad or I just don't have the time, I roll it into the living room and watch a movie while I get some miles. Yes, that's that's good. And uh, somebody else I know that actually, you know, I would say trains, he takes his on. He's got a a porch, an outside porch where he puts it on the outside porch. So that would be pretty, uh, that would make it a little better too, I think. Yeah, actually. So, well, what I was going to say is about uh, go dig a hole. He's actually training for a specific event. And I actually thought the injury 
like the hand injury was a really good example where you can still ride, but you can move your legs are okay, but maybe you're not going to be outside wanting to maneuver. But speaking of riding your stationary bike outside, we heard from B car free who said, I much prefer riding outdoors. However, I restrict my riding in December to errands because the drivers are too nuts. December is rollers time. I ride them outside while watching democracy now. Um, and gave my old 40-year-old setup to my sister-in-law when my son gave me a fancy aluminum set. So that was interesting. So they're basically riding their stationary bike. So that's not even trying to get away from the weather. That's trying to get away from drivers, which I guess when it's getting dark real early, that can be a real concern. A little side note, there was a, an Instagram video I saw the other day of a, a woman racing on a set of rollers. And she was hitting like pretty probably top speed. And all of a sudden the rollers just blew up. Like the rollers came off the frame and, and luckily I don't know how she did it, but like the, the bike jumped off, but then she immediately stopped, you know, it wasn't like she kept going or wasn't like she fell over, but the roller like had flew the, the roller pin flew off and the bands were like all over the place. And she just looked back like, what the, what was that? (laughs) Like she didn't know what happened. She was cranking it. That sounds terrifying. Didn't Velo Cult used to have like indoor bike, competitions right oh, Where? gold sprints yeah gold sprints yeah what were those trainer bikes set up to race you race them that's pretty cool that's you know they have that set up to a computer and you actually see the speed that the people are are riding and everybody's cheering and you know they have the buckets next to you where if you need to uh use the buckets when you're done because you're putting so much effort in such a short amount of time to dip your head in cold water <laughs> or something like that Got it. Got it. Ah, Reminds me too much of cross country somehow. I was recalling my first memory of stationary bicycles. Similar to the roller explosion was we used to play the game where you would put objects into the belt because it was like a large front to it. And then it got sent through a smaller wheel on the back. And we would try to put like sticks or Legos or that sort of deal. (laughs) And then I think that stopped being a thing when one of our fingers accidentally went in and oh gosh. life was fun. But that's about the last time I remember interacting with a stationary bicycle. That there wasn't like a trainer, for example. And thank you for that distinction earlier, Joan. I had completely forgotten that those were two separate things. Well, I think um, should we let, let maybe we can leave the last word on this to uh, Maria Shore, Bicycle Kitty, who says, I like the idea that everyone can ride a bike, e-bike, trike, unicycle, fat bike, cargo bike, fixies, gravel grinder, mountain bikes, indoor trainers, road bikes, time trial bikes with aero bars, swoon, I love them all. So it sounds like Maria considers them part of the bicycling family, even if some people think it's all a plot of the elite to ruin us. Why not both? Yeah, why not both? <laughs> well, speaking of Maria, she got in touch with us about our last or a recent episode with Devery Sheridan. Yeah, and she says a note on Devery. He is a rad competitor in every alley cat race I organize and also killed it on the Swift Hill Summit Kill. Five mega repeats up Walter and Gresham. A talent on two wheels. Oh yeah, I have to. I have to apologize to Devery because I did that same ride, and I don't really remember him. But I don't remember a lot because I was straining to just try and climb that hill and finish. Oh my gosh, it's it was just so much. Like I don't know what I was thinking doing that. <laughs> you were thinking, where's that bucket? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you were thinking in a few years when there's a pandemic, I'm going to be training for twice this. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
Yeah. Yeah. Cause what was that? That was a few summers ago. Right. And now you're going back for, aren't you going for the 200 this year? Well, this, this was last summer. The, uh, this oh, was, this is last summer. summer. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. It was part of, it was a part of a Petapalooza ride, but it was a, also a collab with. Oh, uh, I thought this Swift was Summit. the. Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought it was the Swift Summit, but it's the it was the hill. It hill. is. It, it was yes. a yeah, because so, yeah, yeah, because yeah, Swift Summit is a is a one hundred two hundred mile road ride, but also now that he has on the next day he has an actual a hill climb challenge, so it's like a two day event if you want it to be. Yeah, because if if you're in case you feel you haven't done yourself in enough exactly there's more <laughs> we also have a piece of mail more news i guess it could be news announcement we're putting Wait, it in no, mail it's, yeah it's not really mail to us i was just excited to see this oh yes most certainly uh go dig a hole has a new archaeology podcast episode out talking also about bicycles so if you are interested in archaeology and, well, you're listening to this, so I'm guessing you already have some interest in bicycles. <laughs> Check out the new Go Dig a Hole podcast. Thanks to Chris and folks for putting all the work in. Yeah, he was super excited about it. So I have, I have it downloaded. I haven't listened to it yet. I am looking forward to learning many new things. All right. Well, Armando and Joan, if you could ride a stationary bicycle to anywhere in the world, where would it be? <laughs> I would ride my stationary bicycle on a train so that I would be train surfing and <laughs> riding my stationary bicycle at the same time. And where would I be going to? Uh, well, so it would be a combination train boat trip. And that's when I would be going to the UK to do this uh, trip with Caroline that I've been talking about on this podcast for the past year that I may never do. So I'm going to, yeah, take the train across the country and then take uh, some sort of ship and I'll be riding that stationary bike to apparently power the train and the ship, I guess. Is that how that's going to work? It's going to be a slow, slow trip. Maybe I'll yeah, just ride a bike instead. <laughs> I don't know. If you're on the boat, if you're on the boat, you can do the magnet fishing too. Armando, that's brilliant. I'm going to need a really long rope. I'm going to need a really long <laughs> rope to magnet fish the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> oh, you'll be fine. There's there's enough metal and bioaccumulants and fish. They'll just be <laughs> left and right getting hooked on your um, magnet. What an optimistic perspective on it. Where would you magnet. ride, Armando? <laughs> I, I think I would want to see if you could do the Swift thing and I, the, ride the Jiro. I, I would like to try that and see like, or, you know, any of these, maybe a, a stage of the Tour de France just to see how, like, how hard is that really? You know, how hard is when they're climbing those hills? How hard is that? I'm sure it's super hard, but it would be interesting to, to find that out. Guthrie, was that the kind of answer you were actually looking for? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, that I was... had no idea what you were asking with that question. What's your answer? What's your answer? Well, you got me going on the boat thing, and that made me think about how neat fish are, which made me think that if I had it to my wiles, I would sneak into the Newport Aquarium, into their undersea exhibit, and I would set up right in the middle of that big glass tube and take a ride with the fishes. So you wouldn't swim with the fishes, you would ride, <laughs> ride with the fishes. Yeah, well, if somebody <laughs> offered, you know, a wetsuit and uh, taught me how to scuba real quick, I, I'd totally, you know, I wouldn't say no to that. All right, well, listeners, Guthrie's looking for some help to uh, make his dreams come true. If you've got a 
Newport Aquari- Aquarium Backstage Pass. You you let me know, and otherwise I'll get my hard hat and safety vest and try my luck. Because, <laughs> you know, that that kind of thing works every now and then. Oh, did you <laughs> did folks see the one internet thing I was up on this week? Uh, taking a ladder into places. There was a video of folks who... Life hacks. Apparently, if you get a big extension ladder and you just confidently walk into locations that usually charge money, most of the time they just let you in. So if anybody is too, uh, you know, scared to try train surfing, I think it's good to work your way up to these things. Let us know how you and a friend and and what you're able to get into with a ladder. Report back. That is your mission for this week. And if you do it with a ladder on bicycles, you get extra credit. So we're calling this a life hack. Or, I wonder or, if it works with the step ladder. <laughs> it's worth now, a shot. And if you and if you bike to this place with your extension ladder by bike, please send us a photo of that. <laughs> oh no, video. We want video of that. Yeah, we want video of you biking with your extension ladder. We're, we're begging you. We really want to see that. Well, we have made it yet again to the end of another episode. Thank you all for your listenership. And just a reminder, we're releasing episodes every other week. It's a new format. So we appreciate your ears and we appreciate you waiting through that week in between. Uh, Just trying to hit a great pace for the folks here. And um, hopefully we can bring you even more well thought out, well planned and delightful. Delightful. Thank you. Yes, I was forgetting delightful, which delightful. I should have led with, but that's why we have Joan here. Uh, so <laughs> to remind you all that we're delightful. <laughs> God damn it. And uh, thanks for listening. The Sprocket Podcast is produced in Portland, Oregon. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review and tell your friends about us. Our website is thesprocketpodcast.com. Email to the Sprocket Podcast at gmail.com. Call or text to 503 847 9774. Twitter and the Instagrams at Sprocket Podcast. Thanks to Ryan J. Lane for our theme music. Kurt Bird for our headline sounder. Marcus Norman for graphic design. And thanks to the generous support of our Patreon supporters and listeners Shadowfoot, Wayne Norman, Richard Wazinski, Tim Mooney, Glenn Kubish, Eric Weiss. Cameron Lean. Doug Cohen Miller, Chris Smith, Caleb Jenkinson, JP Cooley. Peanut Butter Jar Matt, Marco Lowe, Rich Otterstrom. Anna, Richard G., Campsite. Aaron Green, author of We Were Like Sons and founder of The Regranary. Jeremy Kitchen, Mr. T., Harry Hugel, EJ Finnernan. Brad Hipwell, Keith Hutchinson, Ryan Tam, Jason Oftenberg. Andre Johnson, Gregory Braithwaite. Chris Barron, Dennis O'Brien, Sean Baird. Dude Luna, who's on this call? Emma Rooks. (laughs) (laughs) And Lillian Karbeck. Spartandale, Philip M., Bike Initiative, Keweenaw. Adam D., Go Dig a Ho, Beth Hammond, Craig Murphy. Guthrie Straw, that's me. Myra Martinez, Oso, Byron Patterson. Mac Nurse David, Kirsten Graham, Aaron G. Rachel Moline, Jonathan Lee, Hami Romani. And thanks to our newest sponsors. Damiana Day and Alan Kessler. And thanks to all of our former supporters who helped us along the way. Now brush your teeth. 
and go to bed. Good night. <laughs>